Welcome to After Credits here on the Intercut Podcast channel, where we review a new movie, including everything that comes after the credits. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevichin, joining me from Earth 616. It's Arturo Zurita. Glad to be here, Zach, to talk about your favorite movies that come out on a yearly basis. I know you were excited <laughs> for this one because when a three and a half is given by you for an MCU movie, that, that means you're, you're demanding, you're imploring people to go out to whatever multiverse they can, whatever theater to catch this. I was thinking about it, and I, I might even have this in my top five MCU movies. Might, maybe, maybe, Sir. but that's that's getting a little bit too much too soon. We won't go full spoilers here at the top, but we will wow. discuss this movie with some detail. So if you are a spoiler phobe, consider this your warning. If you're down with the mystic arts, let's get ready and get into Doctor Strange and the mult in the multiverse and madness. Have you been doing that too? I keep wanting to say and. But it's in the multiverse of I, I'm just surprised that they didn't do the colons, like Doctor, you know, Doctor Strange, <laughs> Doctor Strange multiverse of madness. Multiverse I like, of I like madness. It, he's in the multiverse of madness. I just wish he was exactly. more in his movie, Zach, because this is a Wanda movie. <laughs> it's a Wanda movie. It's what people got to know right off the bat. This is not even any spoilers. Whatever the trailers mm-hmm. told you, I feel that there was a lot of people who were coming into this movie right off of WandaVision. And if you're coming right, right. off of WandaVision, you're going to have yourself a very interesting story. They don't answer anything from Doctor Strange 1. You don't even need to see Doctor Strange 1 to watch this movie. You could just pick up on all the pieces. Ah, okay, he never got the girl. I guess he was a surgeon. Does that matter? He cared about pop culture back in the day. Don't worry about it. That stuff's done. That was just to compete it's with Tony Stark it. back in the day. Um, yeah. I, yeah, to so me, through and through, it's Wanda. This is Doctor Strange's first headlining or at least co-headlining gig in six years after some pit stops in Avengers movies, as well as Spider-Man No Way Home. He's no longer the Sorcerer Supreme, no longer got the time stone. He does have that fancy Robert Downey Jr.-esque goatee because he's got to, you know, be the the new leader of whatever's going on here, as well as some, like, truly, truly terrible wigs in this movie. I mean, I've seen a lot of Twitter (laughs) uniting around this, but man. I don't know how a movie with a $200 million budget couldn't, conf- couldn't afford a single convincing hairpiece. Terrible. Un- unreal. Anyway, like No Way Home, he is once again pa- paired with a plucky teen sidekick. This time it's the multiverse hopping America Chavez, played by newcomer Social Gomez, who is being chased by a demon trying to steal her powers and is up to strange to solve this multiversal riddle while preventing the world from collapsing in on itself. Arturo, there's a lot of anticipation around Doctor Strange 2, given that it has many familiar faces as well as Sam Raimi in the director's chair. So for you, did it live up to your expectations? Uh, no. But I did love that you actually got to see Sam Raimi's direction. There are very few movies in the MCU that I think you really get to see the director shine through uh, because it's been a lot of, you know, picking up whoever the independent darling has been and then just molding them into that, right? It's picking up like a a really good uh, international director for Black Widow and then being like, yeah, let's just strip you of all of that, right? Uh, they don't get to ever direct the action sequences. They don't ever get to do a lot of the actual in-depth stuff when it comes to the writing. They're kind of just told, put your name on it, and this is your next big project. To be able to give Sam Raimi uh, the reins on a lot of the movie, I thought was really cool. It's part mm-hmm. of a lot of the discussion that we're going to have here in terms of the way that he was able to take things. But let's not act like he was given 
complete rage. You know, there are moments yeah. where like it stutter steps. You know, it's like that last. Uh, uh, what's his name? Wes Anderson movie where you're getting a little bit of a flashback and then you're pausing for a whole story. A little French bit of flashback, dispatch. pausing for the whole story. And yeah. you kind of get that here where they're turning the director on and off, it feels, at points. But when they have him on, dude, I mean, there's a reason why Spider-Man, <laughs> the original trilogy, is one of my favorites. It's because it comes from this yeah. man who really knows how to get into a character. This definitely feels to me more like a Kevin Feige film with Sam Raimi mm. than a Sam Raimi film produced by Kevin Feige, if that makes sense. You know, there's, yep. this still has the Marvel sheen, the Marvel aesthetic, but there is sort of like a visual clarity and a visual inventiveness of sorts that you don't normally find in these types of movies. There's just like a a way around how Sam Raimi directs action that I think even when it is people shooting lasers at each other with their hands or whatever, energy beams, they, you you get the sense of perspective, the sense of place, the, the sense of scale a little bit more than you do in a lot of these types of movies. So, you know, yeah, maybe it's not a full-on Raimi moment, but those moments when Raimi does poke through are really exciting. There's just some uh, crafts where in, on display here that I don't think you normally get from uh, a, a, this uh, this level of blockbuster filmmaking. You know, th this isn't exclusive to the MCU. I, I wish movies like Uncharted even had just a little bit more of a daring sense of innovation with how they want to do camera work or, or choreograph a certain scene or maybe just the visual creativity to, uh, to, to you know, take some chances that you don't normally see. So I... I for me, I kind of clung onto the moments that felt personal, like personalized or from a, from a specific perspective that's not the type of perspective we've been getting. And something that's maybe like you were saying in your, uh, let me explain, just a bit creepier than what we normally get from this style of movie. Mm -hmm. And it just shows you that we are so tamed and that these movies have been so sterilized that this is too much for people. Remove it from the MCU, Zach. Any other PG-13 movie that does stuff like this, we wouldn't bat an eye. But now no. that it's been included into this franchise, people are like, whoa, whoa, that's not what I know this franchise to be. That should be a good thing. I like that. I think some of the best stuff that we get is from Guardians of the Galaxy. Another movie that really took a director and said, hey, you know, for the first time, just just go do your thing. Don't do the Avengers mm -hmm. Josh Whedon, like stare at the camera. Just, just do the type of jokes you would do. Look how that turned out. Uh... I think being able to take a story and being able to add those horror elements was fantastic. It is not the scariest movie, all right? This is, we're not talking Hereditary or Exorcist over here. We're, we're talking just a movie that's able to add those flourishes, many of which are yes. just homages to previous yes. Sam Raimi stuff, which I in mind, um, but that allows you to have something different. You know, people are, are – there are exposition sequences in this movie, and you just have this, like, 80s opacity in of each of the characters floating in and out. Uh, you have moments in where you have uh, some of the main characters coming off in ways that kind of – Don't really cohere? To everything you've seen before. But technically, yeah. it's been there. And again, that's where I think it comes down to the writing and a lot of it, which I feel has been manipulative, not just in this movie, but in previous projects. And that's why mm -hmm. people feel like the characters that they know and love or they thought they knew and loved. We're always going to head this way, Zach. They were yeah. always going to head this way.
Yeah, while while I think there is a lot of like visual clarity to how the film is assembled here, there is not a clarity of character. You know, the, they haven't no. really settled on who these people are. And it, it the problem is I feel like they haven't settled on who these people are over the course of several movies, right? Like this has been yeah. a problem for Doctor Strange, maybe even dating back to his inter- one, introduction to the two. MCU in that like you, you get – some types of uh, emotions from him in the beginning of the movie and a different set of emotions from him in the end they of the movie. They don't tie back in. the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's dispassionate and then he's really invested or he he doesn't care and then he's very emotional about it. Like it he, they it haven't quite decided where he or many of the other people in this movie have how they feel about things. You know, there's a moment... America spends a lot of the movie not... Uh, not pizza. feeling comfortable about Tra- Strange, being distrustful of him, and then ultimately giving him a big hug randomly when they haven't really had a, a reconciliation or anything like that. Like you it's- know, <laughs> you know what I feel about the Steven and Spider Man scenes in the last movie. That st- yeah. <laughs> made no sense. He went from like, "I ah, see you later, kid," to "We're we're gonna miss you, Peter." Once you leave, for an Oscar nominated actor to read these scripts, man, and just throw out. Any cohesiveness to this character. The character is never the character. It is whatever the MCU needs them to be. That's mm-hmm. probably one of the yes. most tiring parts. But yes. I will the, the, say... That sort of like malleability of the character rather than setting them in stone a little more. A big thing that for one of the upcoming ones, because obviously I will say that one of the best things Multiverse of Madness does, love it or hate it, is that it does set up Zack... Everything else that's going to be going on for the future, I think that's a really big thing that they're pushing forward is that this is the movie where it's letting you know, oh, all that stuff from the TV show. Yeah, we're finally announcing it on the big screen and just know that we're going to be getting into all these crazy things. We're going to introduce to you characters before we introduce to you the characters, bro. They're now <laughs> dealing with implications. You know, we're dealing we're, – we're seeing the shadows of characters before we actually meet the original versions that will be a part of our timeline. A cop-out, yet also, like, the most baller thing for a studio to do now, you know? It's like mm-hmm. they're, they're able to uh, have precursors, preludes, before you even meet the uh, origin story of some of these people. Um, yeah. For Wanda, though, well, I think it's been, and I don't know if that's going to be a question that you had later, I think her story's always been leading to this point. Hmm. Yeah, well, I think we can get into that when we want to delve a little bit more into spoilers. Before we get quite into the full spoilers, I want to mention, you know, this is the first MCU film we've had in a couple years that centers on characters we've already met moving forward into the future. This isn't like a backward-looking film like Black Widow, and this isn't a Disney Plus series. This is a big Marvel movie, and I'm obviously excluding Spider-Man since that's more on the Sony side. So given that this is centered on Strange and Wanda, these characters who are so central to what we feel like will be whatever the Avengers is moving forward. Did you feel like this did a good job of moving Marvel Cinematic Universe as like a overall overarching idea into the the next step, into the next phase? Or was it a little bit like, okay, and and then what for you? Uh, I I guess the answer is both, but I'm going to lean towards the yes because my only no is that it doesn't feel as profound. They're moving Mm -hmm. the pendulum this way, but it's like, yeah, but once you're introducing me like something so grand, this is the best you guys are coming up with. This stuff should be invent. Like you should be tripping over your creativity and they're they're withholding it. I feel, but it is finally giving, uh, setting you towards the direction of this multiverse to me, what Spider-Man covered was nothing more than going back on their properties, right? It's like, all right, this is a Sony movie, first and foremost. We're celebrating yeah, it's Spider-Man. It's backwards looking. It's backwards looking. 
this is trying to look forward, which is why all of the variants that they're meeting in these multiverses, that's where we're really getting prepped for, uh, are just variations of the actor, said actor that has signed the contract. We're not going to get another mm-hmm. one. Y'all, y'all don't know the O3 version of Doctor Strange or anything else. It's just going to be him. It's just going to be different versions of all these actors we've already hired and fan casting. But I do think that it's opened up the door for whatever their next Infinity Saga is going to be, right? That mm-hmm. all led to the Thanos fight. Whatever this is going to lead, uh, many have speculated at Secret Wars. I feel they could change it at any moment, but to me, it's going to be that big fight in where there's going to be a lot of different variants co- coming in to fight whatever the next big war is, you know? Yeah. Uh, we've had it in the shows, but Loki can't be the precursor to a movie, in my opinion. WandaVision can't be that precursor. And even in Spider-Man, they weren't really exploring the idea of going into different multiverses. The multiverses came to them. This is the first one right. where we're seeing them be able to have someone who has the ability to jump into different out. things. How do you feel about it? I know you're not one who wants to be doing all the homework going into these movies, though. <laughs> that, that's the thing is that like there's certain elements of these films where somebody shows up and you're asked to treat it like it's a significant event. And like... Because I understand the film language that they're trying to communicate, like I get, okay, this matters. But like the why isn't there and they are not providing it that often for you if you don't go and do all that homework. So I did feel like to a certain extent, like this was a bit of an inconsequential next step. Um, it, It Certain things, like I don't know how much the characters changed between the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie. Like I don't know how Strange is gonna act differently moving throughout the world after these events. And will it matter? I don't know if... I don't know if this is just a consequence of consequence of multiversal storytelling in that like all the real consequences are felt over there and not over here. Thank you. But I it it just didn't doesn't feel like they're building in the same way that the earlier films were building. And, and yeah, maybe part of that is like they're not doing the whole like Thanos big bad world ending event quite the same way. But I I am a little bit left wondering with given all these like flirtations with the multiverse and these flirtations with uh, larger villains that are looming out there, like when we're going to get to the thing that feels like the next big thing, right? Yeah. I think it's going to be a little bit for that, but in the process of doing that, you can't forget to make it a completely cohesive story for the yeah. main characters within their movies. And that's why I don't feel like it's a Doctor Strange 2 because he only learns the same lessons that he already learned in the first one. A lot of exactly. this was episodes of what if dude i'm not Mm. sure if you were able to catch any of those but i didn't i I almost feel like you know not only are the series as feige said something that you need to know to understand the movies and imperative with wandavision and loki but what if is almost like a primer it kind of had a lot of the characters that you see as cameos already there in that what if scenario it was kind of telling you it was like hey you know here's an animated version of maybe something you might see hey here's dr strange kind of going through what he already did in the first and i guess we're just going to repeat in the second movie in 30 minutes so knowing that y'all could do that in 30 minutes it does make the movie feel like a lot of build up to something where we don't even know where it's heading yet you're just continuously reminding us yet again multiverses is the thing all right but what are y'all gonna do with it though <laughs> Right, right. All right, I want to get into spoilers in just a second, but let, let's go, circle back to uh, what you were alluding to. There's been a strange discourse developing online about the film's scares and its rating. Uh, I've seen articles in The Hollywood Reporter and Variety now already talking about whether or not this movie should have been rated R rather than PG-13. Art, what is going on here? 
We've been sanitized to the Marvel formula. There's no other way to put it, dude. We have forgotten what a PG-13 rating is. Mm-hmm. Does it get gruesome? Sure. But yeah. again, it's nothing that if you didn't see it in another movie, you wouldn't say anything about this. This wasn't a fast movie. Yeah. None of the fast movies that have been rated R. This wasn't a DC movie. I don't think anybody would say anything. But I think people are so absorbed in that formula of what Marvel has given that they don't want to see anything go out of the boundaries to that. I don't think you need to be mm-hmm. a fan of Sam Raimi. But if you loved Guardians of the Galaxy, hell, if you're one of the ones who loved Eternals, um, you should not be worried about holding a director back. That's another part that confuses me. I'm like, you should allow the director to do what they want. Um, yeah. It may not be everybody's cup of tea, but this idea of Marvel restraining directors is, I think, what's put it in its hole. It kind of reminds me of what Pixar did to themselves. They never ventured out uh, of making these like very photorealistic uh, animations, especially leading up to Toy Story 4, that they got so many people used to that, that by the time they released Luca, people thought the animation was bad. Mm. You get what I mean? And right. it was just different. Uh, and the same thing even happened with Turning Red. And I think they've realized with the competition, going back to Marvel, seeing how Spider-Verse was able to break that mold and showing how animation can be done different. And in DC, also showing you that they can let directors really put their flourishes on. I like when Marvel goes back and allows the director to be able to do their thing. Um, but they're competing with what what they know has been tried and true. So they'll always stop the director and be like, all right, time to do that MCU thing. Yes, yeah, I'm writing this yeah. is terrible, bro. That whole explanation at the beginning about Spider-Man and his spider butt and his spider pizza. What is that, man? Like, you could tell... It almost feels like an ad, you know, when you're watching a YouTube video and like the mm-hmm. YouTubers, you know, we just, just just stop just to do the, and this is the ad that does this, 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 and this. The movie will stop being a Sam Raimi movie and just be like, Josh Whedon's commodified uh, script <laughs> banter moment. Yeah. And I don't know. Interchangeable quip, reference, exposition. Exactly. All right, let's move on. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, no, I, I do think, I think you kind of nailed uh, this discourse in talking about it, this is Marvel conditioning people in the wrong way, right? Like, I think collectively american parents have decided that marvel movies are are acceptable for children if not outright kids movies right like they yeah, they they're having a different discussion yeah, like they, they these movies live on Disney Plus alongside Disney princess movies and and you know other like Disney Channel mm. fair like this is the it's subsection to the kids section of streaming for whatever reason. Now, like that probably is a bigger comment on the way that we just accept a certain level of violence in our American media that it you know frankly is is bizarre to me, but uh that doesn't mean that if you go a little bit beyond what you previously knew as a PG-13 movie, that it suddenly becomes R-rated, right? Like, there are moments in here that are definitely some of the most grotesque stuff that has been in an MCU film, but it is so mild compared to stuff that actually gets an R rating that I I don't know, the response feels like almost puritanical to me, which is a little weird. Like, it's not like these movies are rated PG. They're rated PG-13 already, and I don't know any 13-year-old who hasn't seen far more graphic shit than this by now. Um, there was a small, like a maybe 
eight, ten-year-old child in the theater in the screening that I saw. And when the certain eyeball moment happened, he went, that's disgusting. That's Good. the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Made and then he kept rolling boy. with the movie. Yeah, exactly. Go. Made you feel something. And, and again, like you're saying with praising Sam Raimi, like I, I like that you get his flair, his style, his humor. That it's it's adds a little bit of a of a personality and a texture to a movie that otherwise was lacking it. So I don't know. Um, I I just really don't understand why people would push for higher ratings for anything. Like what happened to trying to sneak into R rated movies? Th- that, this was not even the most brutal PG thirteen superhero movie this year. I don't think Batman, right? For sure. You know, and that one wasn't rated R either. Uh, yeah. I think we're getting to a point where, yeah, it's just too many fans of one thing and you're never going to be able to please them all. And that's where Marvel needs to make decisions. Yeah. And that's why it flip flops a lot within this movie itself. I'll never be on the side, even when you disagree with something. You know, what do I always tell you when we see a movie and it sets up a sequel? And I'm like, do you still want to see the sequel? We go, yeah, because they already set it up. <laughs> Finish your job, right? Regardless of how I feel mm-hmm. about it. Never be on the side of wanting to make, wanting to adjust something for a rating. Or not wanting a director to direct. I don't know. Those are always angles that I feel really weird falling into. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't. I don't see the points. I want to see more risks being taken. What's next? The jokes getting cut out of Guardians of the Galaxy because he said it was like a Pollock painting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm watching Avengers: Age of Ultron, and he says, "Are y'all playing hide the zucchini?" Like we've had some way more out of pocket stuff than the visuals, man. Some of the mm-hmm. stuff that's said in these movies are way worse. <laughs> Rewatching some of them, bro. <laughs> There's headspace, then there's what they did with Black Widow back in the day, man. (laughs) Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Let's, we're we're taking the veils off. We're going full spoilers on Dr. Shane's. This is your last chance to jump off of the theme park ride if that's not for you. Uh, But like Captain America Civil War before this film, Dr. Strange 2 features members of the Avengers as both hero and villain. Wanda takes antagonist duties on a Darkhold-inspired mission to reacquire the children she lost in WandaVision. So, Art, given that choice, uh, does it change how you feel or how fans should feel about WandaVision? Zach, I'm going to take you back to the summer of 2020, where you and I came out of WandaVision and said, this ain't right. <laughs> Something's fishy here. Zach, why did it take two? <laughs> Zach, why did it take two damn years to get to this point? Oh, <laughs> let me stretch here. Ah, We heard so much crap from these WandaVision fans. And we're like, yo, we just a messenger. We just letting you know what's in the comics. Screw the comics. Why do we need to know the comics? Because they kind of, they ba- okay, forget the comics. Forget the comics that they're based on. Um, have you seen the show? Have you paid attention to the show? Yeah, she's a hero. Okay. Trailers come out for Doctor Strange. She says, how am I the villain? And you get to be the hero. Well, oh, no, So now we jump in from her being the hero to now being the... She just skipped the villain part and went straight to this idea of uh, not being fair. But then they <laughs> lied to y'all on those trailers. And they CGI'd her out of every single battle and they made her look like she was fighting with Wong. People came out of this movie going, y'all released this on Mother's Day weekend. I really also like the multiverse of madness being mom on, multi- yeah. <laughs> uh, on Mother's Day weekend and had a mom doing anything to get her children back and people feel betrayed, Zachary. People, people feel really hurt by like it. Like WandaVision has just been thrown in the garbage and that it was never leading to this. Look, when Khaleesi happened, when she went all like that, 
Daenerys had just hints and pieces, but they were missing like two whole seasons for that turn. Yeah, didn't get that bridge. Zach, I think we had enough when she was torturing a town, Zach. I think we had enough when she drafted her kids practically to go fight the military right at the end of that. Mm -hmm. I think when she was forcing her husband, Vision, who was just a clone of Vision, to realize that she couldn't, he couldn't escape his own fate. There's rewatching WandaVision now, it is clear as day. Yeah. Oh, wait, it was clear as day, Zeg, when we first saw WandaVision. This ain't new. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why it took so long to get here. Zach, I feel so vindicated, bro. Oh, my I know. goodness. It's great Keep to be on the right side of history. Ben, here's the thing. It's fantastic. WandaVision is also a decent show. It just felt really weird the way that Marvel was always bamboozling people. The way that show is set up, you know, they made you believe Doctor Strange was going to appear. Mephesto. They... Marvel's releases, they really revel in that stuff. But there is a moment, rewatching WandaVision, where Vision actually looks at the audience when he's doing a magic show and goes, we will lie to you. We will, he's supposed to be drunk. We will lie to you. We will bamboozle you. And we will just straight up change things. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin. Are you Kevin Feige? Are you Kevin? <laughs> they set up that show to literally have characters make sure to always tell you, yeah, Wanda's doing evil things, but it's not as evil as that like dude who's running the military. Oh, Wanda, they'll never know what you did for them. It is such a manipul manipulative show. And we try to say that the show is setting that up and that Marvel is lying to you to make it feel like it's a cookie cutter thing. Y'all refused. After this weekend, man, after this weekend, y'all will yeah. go back and I mean, watch and realize you've been bamboozled. I, I think... To me, that is a little bit of a failing of the show WandaVision. While there is a lot of really interesting stuff there, and I do like the tri the storyline they're telling of like Wanda dealing with this family trauma and like the the family that she tried like uh, trying to find safety in this you know nuclear family relationship. It they tried to give her sort of this satisfying finale that was a little bit too clean for how messy the material of that show is. And, and that's I'm sort of why I was always, that's why I was always like not really sold on the tonal balance of WandaVision. While there was some cool stuff there, it didn't sell that the true horror of that situation. And it undersold it so much that I think that's why everybody's, doing the like getting whiplash from their transition into multiverse of madness is they they're ready for Wanda to be the hero when she's been so clear so clearly been the villain they were net perfectly put they were never going to see her as nothing but the hero no matter how many wrong things she did to them she was always going to be this like icon we i have to do that's that's the girl that's elizabeth olsen she has been killing it in mm -hmm. every single role she's done for this character, she came into the whole franchise as a villain in Age of Ultron, becomes an Avenger, and then goes through grief. And it was really weird to see people who felt that you could just, like, overlook the stuff that she did. Zach, mm -hmm. I, I don't know about you. I loved her being a villain. I think this adds yeah. to that idea of a movie should only have the directors do so much before it's MCU again. Uh, the rating can't be that high. Uh, my villains aren't or my heroes aren't allowed to make mistakes. And that is the most annoying part of the right. discussion is that people refuse to see her as someone who could do something evil. And I'm like, but that's part of the grief. Mm -hmm. It felt weird seeing people want her to be the villain and justify her actions. Yeah, so I want to like... For the I record, like Doctor Strange is just as bad. A lot of people like to say, it's like, why does Doctor right. Strange get away with it? <laughs> Zach, you know how we roll here. Put 
that man in jail too. All of these, <laughs> all of these people. Ever since Sokovia, of course, you realized they don't make the smartest decisions. They yeah. don't. So it's not a matter of like, does that person not get in trouble for it? No, they should all get in trouble for it. But I love that they really went all in on her grief in this movie and showed absolutely the repercussions of stuff. Because yeah, yeah, it was crazy. I can't blame somebody for who is who, somebody who's really invested in these storylines for not. Uh, liking the bumpiness in getting to the destination, right? Like, because it's not the smoothest in terms of shifting the characters around. Nah. But as long as you buy into them being there, I think they're very effective in those places. For me, Wanda is one of the best MCU villains because we know her so well, Agreed. and we are we we have so much invested in her that she doesn't feel like this kind of superfluous threat that we know will be gone by the hundred twentieth minute. You know what I mean? Like there there's actual stakes here because there's the relationship drama between her and all the people that know her and trust in her or whatever. There's stakes here in a way that there aren't stakes in a lot of Marvel movies. So for me, I really loved that they utilized her this way. I thought that it was an interesting exploration of her character. And I thought that Elizabeth Olsen was very good here. Um, She's fantastic. I'm really, I just think she's a very compelling screen presence. You know, uh, we've seen, oftentimes you have these villains who... You have to put them. You have to put them in crazy outfits, or they have to get all roided up. And she's kind of like not really that big or intimidating in that way. But the way she carries herself is so threatening throughout this movie. Those lines, dude. I'm not a monster. I'm a mother. Do mm-hmm. you have a wife? Do they have their mother? Good. Someone will be there to protect, dude. Some of these lines, like. I'm going to give credit where credit is due. I like a lot of the exposition lines, but the lines that they gave Wanda when she was trying to do Mm -hmm. anything to get her kids back, dude, this was the Wanda I wanted to see. I think that's why they made WandaVision so soft. They wanted you to like her, to kind of uh, pull the, what's the phrase? To kind of just like flip it on you, to catch you off guard, Uh, which again, that's why I think it was very manipulative on purpose. But I've been waiting for it to lead here. I also don't think she's gone. I think is another discussion to be had in terms I of the future we'll of the that. MCU. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's worth getting into. Uh, moving beyond Wanda, though, uh, one of the other most anticipated moments, at least from the online community, came in the reveal of the Illuminati, a group of some familiar and some less familiar faces. Before we talk about the cameos themselves, did you like how Doctor Strange 2 used its cameos? It's fine. Um, yeah, because it's not that big. It's exactly what a cameo should be. Because it's like people yeah. are like, oh, I didn't like the cameo or whatever. What would you have done different? A variation, maybe. But like, that's exactly the length of what a cameo should be. It appeared exactly where it should in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. It is just so apparent, Zach, that none of these people are in the same freaking room. <laughs> Bro, yeah, it definitely... these, it's like the end of, of No Way Home. You can tell that they're on a green screen protected set. They were brought in cloaked like Baby Yoda mm-hmm. so no one can see them. They could never be in the same room in the same schedule. Eyelines not matching up. It's bad, bro. <laughs> like, it's just blocks, you know? Yeah. Like, even when they do their big fight, it's just like, <laughs> there's like nothing added. It clearly feels like a green screen. There is no depth to these rooms because they are just on a little studio lot. Why? That is the worst part about them. 
Uh, and I worry that they're going to continue doing this for future things because I really do feel the cameo sequence, the way it's shot, is ugly. The same way that I feel a lot of the ending of No Way Home is ugly between the guys and the scaffolding. Yeah. And these are like really big moments. And I'm like, I, I get you're hiding it for spoilers, but dude, everybody like called it out. So at this point, just find a way to ship them in, dude. Tell them they yeah. filmed Jungle Cruise 2 or something. And then, you know, he's going to go visit his wife. <laughs> and then that's how you guys are able to record him. I think they just have to be smarter in the scheduling because what they're doing right now, it makes their stuff age really quick. And the only reason people like these frames is because it's, oh my goodness, there is John Krasinski. You know, there right. is like, whatever the character that you've been waiting for. I think if the only joy comes in the surprise of the person showing up, then that's a joy that fades pretty fast because like, it's not a surprise the second you've seen it or the second it's been spoiled for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know how often you can resort to the well of like, wow, what a surprise, particularly given the age we're in where everything gets leaked online beforehand. But like, theorized, yeah. there's, a, there's a limited amount of actors who would even make, be interesting to see show up at this point. Like they've, Almost everybody who feels like they're willing to do one has been in one of these movies already. I don't know. Um, I I didn't mind how the cameos were utilized. Uh, I think that like I prefer when they're kind of um, lesser moments than quite so pivotal uh, to to the pl plot point. I did think it it was a lull in the movie. I think there was a lot of like sitting around and talking in that section. Wait, like shift the camera and then hold for applause because you know the audience at home is going to be applauding. So I, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it just like, I think the sequence itself could have gone better. It didn't really, I didn't really hate it, but I didn't really love it that much either. Um, I did like when it started to get violent though. I mean, I got to say that it, it's some of the most visceral, brutal filmmaking we've ever seen in a Marvel movie. I came out of it thinking about the boys. I came out of it thinking about invincible. That was my uh, invincible. I, I feel like maybe it wouldn't have existed had it not been for those other properties pushing what audiences maybe would accept from a superhero property. But it was very satisfying. Um, and, you know, if you're going to go to this place and, and do some kind of like multiversal craziness, like let's get crazy. Let's, let's, let's get nuts. You know, yeah. Let's, let's take out some people. I guess my one thing with this would be, it's a cop-out being in another multiverse and uh, introducing characters before you see them so that you could pull an Invincible-type moment so that you can pull a, uh, you know, kind of under the rug from you. In your opinion, considering that Captain Carter, the same Peggy we know, Photon, same one from Captain Marvel. Yeah. We haven't seen Xavier, though, and a technically Black Bolt was in the Inhuman show. Um you see it being the same Reed Richards in Krasinski? I thought he was blind as can be, bro. Are yeah, you excited I mean, for John Krasinski to be announced in Fantastic Four now that they kicked out John Watts? Thank you for your service, sir, and just being the, what'd you call him? Uh, <laughs> line producer number two on the yeah. Spider-Man movies. Uh, now it's time to bring in John Krasinski and let him do whatever he did with his wife. With uh, He said he had kids. I'd be very curious to see how they cast their kids as well. Do you want it to mm -hmm. be John Krasinski? Do you want it to be somebody else? I don't have anything invested in Fantastic Four. I know a lot of people are really excited for, for that one. And the people who seem excited for it seem to collectively be, be saying, 
Krasinski is a bad choice for Reed Richards, which makes me want to not say that I, I like, I enjoy John Krasinski skill. I guess that makes me like a normie or, or like boring or whatever. I, I think he can be utilized in, in interesting ways. I have no idea. Like I, you tell me, you probably Richards. know a little bit more, but he shouldn't be Reed Richards. No, I don't think he's nerdy enough. I think no. he's, he won a cap cap is not yeah. Reed Richards. So I don't want to see him doing his leftover cap for Reed Richards. Does that make sense? I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. I mean, it does, to me, signal some of the worst tendencies about Marvel in that this has kind of been like the predominant online rumor, like, or at least online fan casting. And like, I don't know if fan casting is the way to go about making these movies happen. Yeah. Um, I, don't know. I don't know about that either. I guess my thing would be yeah. is sticking to the story side of it. If you come yeah. in. And you have your main timeline dealing with another multiverse timeline, and then they go make a mess. Wouldn't it stand to reason that if they're leaving behind kids and they're leaving behind uh, other other acquaintances, wouldn't they be like, "Ah, screw that other timeline for messing with our time"? Are we just done with that? That's the right. part in the multiverse where I'm getting sick and tired of like you're just using it as a way to go poop over here, litter, mm-hmm. and leave that stuff over there, and then just continue. But I'm like, why wouldn't that timeline, which is just a variation of yours, not want to be like, "Screw you for coming over here"? Right. Like what? Isn't Wanda eight two three gonna come after Wanda six one six? That'd be fire. I don't know. The, I don't like, know. Can can we not find a universe in which Wanda has died and the kids are looking for a mom? Where's I, the I one where know. Vision stayed, bro? <laughs> Where's the <laughs> one where the man's still around? Uh, so you didn't really enjoy the John Krasinski cameo. What do you think about bringing in Patrick Stewart? I, look, I didn't mind the John Krasinski. I just don't think he's up for Reed Richards. Xavier been Xavier, man. Um, I was trying to tell you that they play the X-Men 97 theme song on purpose and they it is credited at the end and it comes out in the yellow thing. Zach, don't laugh. I'm going to be straight with you. When it was rumored months, almost a year ago, that it wasn't going to be Professor Xavier from the movies, but Professor Xavier from the 1997 animated series that is going to get rebooted soon for Disney+, Plus, I went, what the hell are you guys talking about? No, like you read that and you're like, what do you, so is the, so it's going to be played by the dude who was in the live action movies, but he's not going to come in to play the version of the live action movies that they now own because they bought Fox. It's going to be the animated version of the character that's not going to be in the live action version, but not the live action version of the X-Men, but the live action version of the MCU. You'd be like, what are you talking about? Zach, they played the theme. He is, he's the animated just... <laughs> Professor X. <laughs> I don't. I, I have a headache. I don't know, man. But you know what? Have, you know what have actually been funny if he pulled up as an animated character in the middle of that scene. <laughs> Roger Rabbit. <laughs> in the Eat world your heart of the, out, Chip and Dale. In the world of the multiverse, why not, dude? Are you yeah, ready? Exactly. Are you ready for Get that movie? Crazy. That'd be crazy oh. though. Once we start dealing with like just straight up animated characters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, that's what I'm talking about, man. We need more of that stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. He was fine. Uh, I like to see in his like little under the skin scene when he tries to like get into her mind. You know, the man's dealt yeah. with Phoenix forces before. Uh, and people, dude, there are some crazy cams of this uh, out there. I keep forgetting the technology. You know, I keep thinking it's gonna be all blurry. Some of these cam quality that people have gone out there in their iPhones, things nicer mm. than what I saw in the Dolby man. I'm gonna need some right? of these copies. <laughs> it is, it is so crisp. Uh, someone's going frame by frame on his murder. They're like, bro, he. Snapped the neck. She ripped his head in two in the dream sequence. And then when it oh, cuts geez. back, 
like if you frame by her, she looks like the nun, man. So I don't know, Zach. Maybe it should have been rated R. I am not exactly sure. <laughs> <laughs> On a frame by frame basis, it's pretty. It's pretty messed up. <laughs> Um, there were also a whole bunch of other cameos in that moment. Uh, Captain Carter, Photon, Black Bolt. Were you happy to see those? Any of those in particular stood out to you? Uh, I guess that makes the Inhuman show canon, so it's not canon. It's only yeah. canon for and the in other. Earth 823. That's oh, the other thing. Why one. is that one not named Earth 1 if they discovered some of this stuff, right? Yeah, because, I'm sure yeah, there's an answer for learned... it in the comic books, but I don't care. I liked it. I thought it was cool. It shows she's not conceited. You know, she saved herself for 800 okay. and whatever, okay. whatever else. That's a good answer. Like that. <laughs> um, but in terms of uh, Peg Carter, uh, Haley Atwell, I, 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 I want to say, like, she should have her own series. She does. <laughs> Give her another series. <laughs> Give her something else. I, I, I always like more Haley Atwell uh, in anything, really. Uh, throw her in yeah. on some more stuff for the cinematic universe. She had the what-if episodes that really had... Um, that storyline of what if she was the one who became Captain America. Uh, she did not yeah. stay to fight all day as she claimed she was going to, but it's cool to see her. Photon was interesting. I'm just more interested in the implications of her having become Captain Marvel and what that would mean for her daughter, Monica Rambo, considering Monica Rambo lost her mom in WandaVision and hasn't had that closure and kind of seems to have some beef with Carol Danvers. Again, it's like, it's like what are you just settling with the oh cool look it's it's what if she was in the suit instead and i'm kind of more interested in the well what are the implications in this universe if she became that you know i don't Mm -hmm. know but i guess i'm not supposed to ask that until i'm supposed to ask that so i'm sorry kevin (laughs) let's play a quick game uh let's play is this their last marvel movie um (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) um i i i think first of all we can be Pretty safe to assume Cumberbatch, Gomez, Wong, they're all safe yeses. They'll, they'll be back. Uh, what do you think about Rachel McAdams? Is this Rachel McAdams' last Marvel movie? I don't want it to be, dude. I thought they actually gave her some stuff to do. They had her in that Dr. Evil outfit for a majority of the movie. But she, <laughs> she killed it, bro. She looked great in that. Um, I've been, I keep calling her the multiverse traveler's wife. And I don't think that they're... <laughs> I don't think that they're going to be able to ever withhold a relationship. But thematically speaking, he did fix the clock. And in fixing the clock, that is a step towards their relationship. But we'll be getting into the after credits later. I don't want it to be her last one. Because Stahlberg appears (laughs) for like one minute, which is... With... He got the with, With Michael Stahlberg. With... Which rightfully deserved. This man appears for like two minutes. He like kicks a can. When you rewatch that scene, he kicks like the extra out. You see the extra go like, "What?" He's like, "Get out of here!" Takes that place on the pew during the wedding scene, and I think delivered barely anything. Delivered a terrible line. I hate that they wrote, "I lost my two cats and my brother." And I'm like, "Come on, bro!" Like, leave with the brother. Come on. You're you're lucky that he's such a good actor that he's just gonna take that line. But for two minutes of screen time, I need to see more of him. Come on, dude. This is not a Doctor Strange sequel. It's a stock Doctor Strange midquel yeah, before we actually I, get a sequel. I think uh, Stolbarg's probably not coming back, but if he can, if he does he come should. back, I want him to be the new Thanos. Whatever it is, make him <laughs> Thanos. Um, McAdams, yeah, you know, man, I, I do kind of think she said that she thinks she was going to be one and done in the first place, and I, I'm 
I guess I'm glad that she's back. I feel like they messed up in not casting her as like an actual hero. Like she's just such a good star and so flexible in terms of what she can do. I'm surprised they missed the boat on, on not getting Rachel McAdams into one of these, but I, I would be a little surprised. I guess I know you're going to get into later, maybe why she might come back. I think I'd be a little bit surprised. Uh, what about Chueta Legia for? Uh, I was not, I, it's not expecting him to come back after the last one, but they brought him here. Do you think it's probably his last go around in the MCU? Hell no, dude. Dr. Strange one, the literal after credits is him becoming overly good. The whole point of the first movie was that uh, what's her name messed up as the ancient one and had one person in Mods Mikkelsen's character who became so evil. But then you have Mordor, Mordor, who ends the movie with being overtly good and too much by the rules. That's always been his thing. And it ends with him saying no more sorcerers. Bro, that was in 2016. We finally get this movie, and it's an alternate version who's not answering any of this. Like, especially if he was mad in Doctor Strange 1, Zach, about sorcerers meddling with things. We've had his meddling in Infinity War, and Endgame, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Spider Man, and in this one. Where is that 616 version of Mordo that you ended off with a tease? It's bad. We, we did not get any of him in this movie. It's bad. So, yes, yeah, come I, back. I don't. I, I just don't. I don't know what, if they have a big enough reason to go back around. But then why I don't make know. it the after credit? It may. I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> uh, Patrick Stewart, do you think this is his last movie? No, but it should be. Logan I, was a I great goodbye. I don't want to see Logan That's the th- and him again. The the combo of Logan and this were kind of just. I feel like that's enough for the this iteration of the character. Like, they, they've got to do a new version of it somehow. And I don't think they're going to do, like, a whole new set of movies with him as Professor X. So, I don't know. I feel like they've, I like they've the found a way to bring him back. And that's that's enough. I like so, the yeah, cartoon. Me, me, do the cartoon. <laughs> now I do want to see a 2D I, cartoon. Maybe you'll voice <laughs> the, the reboot that they're going to do for yeah, the 97 series. there we go. So That would be cool. Uh Maybe we would like it if this was Krasinski's last. I actually think that would be really cool if he was only Reed Richards in this one version of the multiverse and ended up not being Reed Richards in Fantastic Four. That would actually make this cameo better. It would be cool, but they're going to announce him, bro. They're going to come out of the season. They're going to announce him as the director or whatever else, but... I agree, but that would actually redeem it a little bit. Uh, like, almost the way that people were thinking Tom Cruise would show up as Superior Iron Man. Yeah. Bro, these By people, By the way, like, do you see these people who swear yeah, the people that who they got him in the vault? That they filmed a cameo with Tom Cruise, got him to agree to be in the movie, shot it, and then left it on the cutting room floor. Like, that's an actual thing that some people think And that Robert, Robert Downey Jr. did, in fact, film for Black Widow and then cut him out as well. And they're like, all these cuts are out there. And you know what? Hashtag release them, Zach. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah, that, that seems to be the way to get it to happen. Um, last one. I think we got to at least talk about the idea that this might be Elizabeth Olsen's last Marvel movie. No. You, you don't think there's any chance? Zach, I, people really do think this is a Wanda movie. Look at the poster. Do you got a poster pulled up, bro? Pull up a poster. Pull up a poster. Look at how Good. tiny. Go to the IMDb and, yeah. and check check that name right there. Doctor Strange so tiny, it's damn near the size of Marvel Studios. It says Multiverse <laughs> of Madness. Who's right in the center? 
Her. Whole whole body right there. Yeah. Head, shoulders, knees, Look. no toes. But all you get is his shoulders and his head. If you look online on all the trailers, everyone was coming in to see Wanda, not him. This is why the man took so long to get a sequel. <laughs> she got her own show. And we were upset that it was like, wow, a TV show and not a movie? Hey, she sold that. It's probably the highest rated one out of all the shows. It's the one that's an Emmy winner, Zach. Well, I had to look mm-hmm. back at it. Three Emmys. First Emmys for the MCU. You think they're done with her? I heard she signed a multi, multi-deal, multi bro. I heard she signed a contract. I actually didn't hear that. All right. Well, if she signed a contract, that, that's definitely not true. But I this would have been, like, this been a clean enough ending, I think, for me. And I don't know. Maybe it's just that I, I saw the Jimmy Fallon clip where she's like, I don't like watching these. I think they're all going to be a flop. <laughs> I think maybe she's I a little she's ready to, to move on. But uh, yeah, I mean, look. It, people do really love the character. They didn't do anything that she, I guess, can't come back from. It just, it just seems a little bit like they're gonna have to t- like do a lot of bending of logics and believability in order been to done, get her Zach? back in a place. Zach. They, they that they do it every movie. She so they're tortured gonna do an it, entire but. community in WandaVision. They did not care. They're good over here. I uh, see Ricky in the chat says that it's a seven-year deal. I, I don't know all the details, but I, I've been hearing about that. And Devesh also bringing up the fact that they have the Agatha show. I'm pretty sure they're going to bring WandaVision back for a season two. Don't forget, there are storylines that have not been finished. Do you remember how WandaVision ends? She loses yeah. her kids, but her made-up vision literally puts his entire consciousness into the remnants of the broken vision. So that white vision that's out there said that they'll find each other at another point in time. And I mean, you just procreate and make more babies. I don't know. It's like the original ones had them, had them canoodling and inserting hard drives. I think that at that point they'll meet each other again, have it be a WandaVision two or part of the Agatha spinoff. I'm not sure. Yeah, I feel like it would have been a clean exit for this character. I, I just don't. I don't know, man. It, it Too feels much money, like, bro. yeah. Anyway, let's talk about some favorite moments from the movie. Do you have any favorite bits or scenes or things that happened? Anything with Wanda on screen. I am just so relieved that I can finally enjoy Wanda as a as a villain because people felt you did not like Wanda just because. People were forgiving her actions. I like that they reveled in it. And every single moment with her on screen, even especially on the rewatch, was absolutely fantastic. One of my standout scenes would be when she's trapped in that little like mirror dimension and yes. she just breaks on through and she is freaking them out through the reflections and the puddles and the gong mm-hmm. and she comes out all twisted. Bro, she looked like that Whenever- woman in old, man. Whenever they started to get into that kind of like trippy visual stuff, I, I did really enjoy it. I also really liked the shape shifting, traveling through the multiverse sequence, okay. like that. Those sort of like bizarre psychedelic sequences were really really cool. I, I do kind of wish there was a little more of that. Uh, yeah, the Wanda stuff is really exciting there. I uh, getting into some more of the Sam Raimi elements really we really liked. You know. Uh, when he was able to like flex what he does, I I really enjoyed it. There's sort of like an Evil Dead Two style kind of handheld camera moment that Rachel McAdams gets. Thank That's you just for mentioning so much that. Fun. I need an HD version of that because it's so funny, dude. The yeah, face is so she's funny. Uh, I agree with you on that. Just like uh, maybe one of the more hilarious shots I've ever seen in an MCU movie. Yep. Um, I thought everything with Zombie Strange was pretty funny. Um, just like a, a funny character design. The, those little, I, I love those little guys, those little demons. The, the crazy <laughs> little dudes. 
Yeah, they're, little, they're funny guys. I like the accents he was doing, because uh, he's going yeah. to like for like a Clint Eastwood yeah. type thing in that movie. <laughs> and then when he was playing um, his like darker side, the one with the ugly ponytail. Um, oh my god. He was trying to pull like a, a Jack Nicholson there, bro. Because he was saying some mm. like shining esque lines. If you ever rewatch it, Zach, uh, just like pay attention to the inflections that he added himself, that he added uh, in that sequence. Um, mm. But yeah, the robot was in, or the the zombie was interesting. And I've been hearing theories of people thinking, is this uh, going to be the patient zero for the zombies? And eventually, you'd be able to have a zombie movie because there is Marvel zombies again. Watch mm. the What If series, Zach. And boom, you got yourself a, <laughs> you're a genius. Create an explain channel and just be like, I think they're going to be covering this. There <laughs> they we put go. it all in the What If series. And considering they had a zombie episode, a Marvel zombie movie would sell. Yeah, but they'd have to rate it, rate it PG-13 and then they get into this discourse all over again. <laughs> they change the culture and then they're going to they're gonna become so <laughs> raunchy and like grotesque that when it goes back yeah. to being clean, they're going to be like, ew, this isn't the Marvel yeah. I know. It just changes, dude. It just changes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, Zombie Strange sequence. That was fun. Evil Dead 2 style camera. That was fun. Uh, do you like the, the music fight? No. I like the Dutch no? angles. Let me say something nice before I say something mean. The Dutch angles, this is how you do them. I'm looking at you, Thor mm-hmm. 2. Terrible Dutch angles. This is how you do it to make things yeah. easy. Uh, no. My, I my, liked... My full respect to what they were doing. Yeah. Shout out Danny Elfman. Good score. Yeah. I, I, I was saying that he copied a lot of the scores that he's done in the past and just put it in there. Yeah. That's all he, he does. That he just he likes his to do that. Scores. He likes to do that. I know he had something to do with that fight. Yeah, I'm good. The bro. music for me is what really worked in that moment. I for thought sure. the score was pretty excellent. It, it's cool. silly, but all this stuff is silly, man. I don't At know. At least what, it's silly and fun. I don't know what prompted that. Why musical <laughs> notes? Anything else, bro? Because the, the pages went flying. Who knows, man? <laughs> what prompted? What prompted it is that Sam Raimi is friends with Danny Elfman. Yeah, they're boys, but I mean, Iron Man yeah. was right. This man must be selling tickets to a clown costume party because he was playing musical chairs, man. Come on. It's too <laughs> much. It's too much. I am curious. and uh, I don't know how much of Doctor Strange 1 you remember, but it does seem like they are swapping out the score to be more rock-centric. The movie ends yeah. with a lot of riffs on electric guitars. Mm-hmm. Do you like that? Um, I know a theme. lot of people... I know a lot of people say that they like the last score more. Shout out to Vesh in the live stream who just said that. I, do. I don't remember it really at all. So I can't That's really how I like my say Doctor like Strange. a comparison between uh, the two. But I don't know, man. I like Danny Elfman, so I didn't have any problems with the score. I thought the music worked in the movie. It, it, feels, like they're really... ju- it feels like Doctor Strange 3 is going to be uh, the pick of destiny because of the they keep like focusing on like heavy metal music and satanic and those are yeah. the notes you need to get for like Doctor Strange and his evil book stuff. Um, I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see how that, that ends up. Yeah. All right. Should we get into the uh, credit sequences? Yeah. Explain to me, Zach. I- <laughs> Zach, who is the purple lady? You're trying to get me to? I don't even remember her name. <laughs> I. So, okay. I thought that Doctor Strange 2 had both my new favorite end credit sequence and my new least favorite. And it's very funny to me that it seems like it's dividing audiences, but I I am I 
am on the side of the people who really dislike the first one and like the second one because what was happening in that first one he's just like walking down the street and she shows up like they used to try and give you things that happened in media res or like where there's actual context that might be interesting not just today Doctor Strange took a nice afternoon stroll like what is happening here they have a range of either having the after credits be a scene from another movie and never really an after credits. Do you feel like this is just a scene from the next movie? So you feel it feels awkward as a post credit because it's really just the first act bit where he meets her. Do you get what I'm saying? I, I know what you're saying, but if it's, a, if it's a scene from another movie, then it's a bad scene from another movie because oh, there's I'm no action. Arguing. And it makes it's, no sense the way it gets dropped yeah. in there. Another one I'll, I'll throw to you. Remember they made a new Funko Pop. They, they tore up his cape and now it's got a patch. So every time you see him, he's now got that patch on the cape to remind you what, Zach? That that's your original 616 Doctor Strange. I don't know if he has the cape at the end of the movie when he does that cool thing to like go with Charlize. It does not seem like it's on there. So if I were to throw a theory out there, maybe it's not our Doctor Strange. And it's somebody else. Maybe she went to go get an alternate Doctor Strange because our Doctor Strange has been messing around, man. So we'll see. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's just that there's still, like, so little happening there. Like, I I am just extremely tired of the of the Marvel post credit scene where somebody shows up and says, my name is this and I'm the next thing that's going to be interesting. Like, I don't, I, it just is boring every time. It was boring when Harry Styles showed up. It's boring when Jon Snow opened the thing. It's boring. It's boring. It's boring. I, I, yeah, I want a a scene, an actual scene that has a beginning, middle and an end, not a character showing up to say a line. It's, it's artless. You know what I mean? It's the most like it's when you finish watching an episode of TV and they show you quick scenes from the next episode. It's the most like on the most next, on the next episode on shit ever, ever. Yes. Yes. I do agree there. I will say the only thing I don't want to see from her is considering that she is another love interest in the comics that I believe has replaced him in the comics at this point. Clea, Clea, Um, her name. I'm not ready to get rid of Rachel McAdams. (laughs) I like the dichotomy that they have with Rachel McAdams and him not being able to have her, but they're both kind of now in this multiverse love type thing. Um, I guess we're just going to move on maybe to the next love interest, but I don't know. I kind of want him to keep Rachel. I I like what what they kind of have going on. I want him to learn his lesson for the third time again. See, here's the thing. Uh, they, They are doing this thing now where it's like we don't want characters who are just like, ordinary people we want all our characters to to be be super powered super powered in some way so she's just a boring love interest that that's a doctor she's not uh she doesn't have a power or something that makes her part of the adventure she a doctor in the other one like cleada i feel you though and this this is where i worry i don't know how much you know about the comics with house of m she's supposed to uh, scarlet witch is supposed to snap her fingers because she lost her kids and then she just says no more mutants and they're gone Mm. That's how powerful she is. What if they inverse that and she makes everybody super powered and it does three things? You get that adaptation of her saying the words. Mm-hmm. It fixes the problem that in their universe they have not had mutants and now she gets to bring them in. And then worst of all, Zach, absolutely just garbage is the fact that they're like, yeah, these characters, now that we have multiverses that are fighting gods and eternals, they kind of boring as hell. Um, <laughs> everyone's a superhero. 
Yeah. So, so no, instead of uh, no, no more mutants, a lot more mutants. No uh, more only hu- mutants. No more humans, Zach. That's what it's going to be. Uh, I don't know. But right. Let's talk about the actual most pivotal, pivotal uh, scene in this movie, what will be yes. in the MoMA uh, for years to come. Yes. The, the true artistry that we were presented with. And the real Pizza Papa. The, the new great Marvel character, Pizza it, Papa. It's why the show's my, my called favorite. After Credits for this man right here. Uh, <laughs> I, I linked right there down below. This has been a dude who, alongside with Sam Raimi, has always appeared for cameos. Uh, when Bruce did all the ones for Spider-Man right there, they're all fantastic. They're all great moments in the story. But even more than that, in the original, they were pivotal sequences for our main character. You mm-hmm. know, uh, he gets his name <laughs> in that first one. He stops the love interest from uh, their love from going on. And the third one was just hilarious as well <laughs> for Spider-Man 3. This adds absolutely nothing to the story, but I found it to be hilarious. This is the better version of waiting for the after credits just for Captain America to be like, patience. I love the breaking <laughs> of the fourth wall. It was two breaks that we got in this movie. One where mm-hmm. Marvel stares or uh, Wanda stares at you after she possesses yeah. herself that was pretty cool that was fantastic that's how you do it uh yeah. and then bruce doing it as he yells he just says it's over i, I thought it was great mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. really good I, I i don't know if i'm just projecting my own personality onto this moment but to me this was a little bit of sam raimi wrestling with the marvel machine and being glad that he's made his way through it like he's he's dealt with all the frustrations of it and the the hitting yourself in the face to try and get your cool evil dead two style camera stuff through um so for me i i like it especially if it's a little bit of the director peppering in his own stuff uh but but who knows even if marvel would allow him something like that it's 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 very fun though it's Um, kubrick putting the sweater on the boy in the shining just letting you know it's mm -hmm. it's a little secrets in there uh Mm -hmm. no i I see that because every single time they're doing press and they're like sam raimi got to direct and it's his style and it's his style Poor Sam Raimi's like remembering whatever day on set that they let him do whatever. Yeah. Because you know a true Sam Raimi movie would go crazy. But uh, yeah, no, I like that read on it. It's canon now. Yeah, exactly. We, we're going to hopefully get a lot more Pizza Papa. <laughs> All right. So I think that's most of what we wanted to cover on Doctor Strange. We have a couple questions from the live stream that I'm going to uh, get to. Uh, let's talk. Let's go with Ricky's question first. Here, he asked, "Do you think Marvel movies should take a page from WB and just do solo, not connected movies like Matt Reeves or nope. Nolan's Batman's, Todd Phillips' Joker, some maybe like a standalone Gambit movie?" Uh, do you want even better? Because that's what we were hoping for Moon Knight. They should be doing that with their series that they have on Disney Plus. They can really do that independent game like DC has been doing and pretending like they're adapting these movies from the seventies and then just (laughs) putting them in their main characters and calling it a feature Mm -hmm. film. Uh, I think they would, their stock would rise like crazy. You still keep your multiverse, but then still like what they're doing with what if, Um, but because that's animated, they're able to separate it and be like, see, it's its own thing. I would love more one-offs. They're really creating a comic like multiverse. When you go into a comic shop, you're seeing the main continuity. Then you're seeing all these different stories. It should be like that for the movies as well. That would be really cool. And screw it. Make them rated R. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, especially if they're going to open this thing up to multiverses and the idea that, like, maybe there's some stuff that could happen that is completely disconnected from Earth 616. Like, go there, try it. If if you're going to give money to Sam Raimi, let him go and do Sam Raimi things. Yep. And, you know, I think the thing is that, unfortunately, Disney ha- only operates on this level of massive scale. And I wish they would just have like a couple different levels like yes I know the 200 million dollar movies are global box office sensations that crowd the movie theaters but like why you can also fund something that's maybe 30 Tiny. million dollars or 50 million dollars and, and brings that- you back that back end yeah that still makes money exactly and that's why I'm saying the yeah. best way to do that because they have all this marketing for TV or for the movies in theaters that you mm-hmm. literally have now built a platform where you can release that to people and it does not have to be that expensive people will right. eat it up I, I saw a question on Twitter asking, like, what do you think it would take for a Marvel movie to actually flop? And I was thinking about it. It's like, I kind of feel like as long as there's some action, even if that action is, like, a little sillier or if it's a little more horrific, as long as there's just, like, action, I, I can't imagine one of these failing until there's, like, so many bad ones that people lose the taste for them, you know? How much did Eternals make? Because I know Eternals is the worst rated one. Yeah, but it's still, I'm pretty sure, is like turned a heavy profit, you know? Because I guess that would be the only thing. Uh, yeah. I, I feel that they will start getting worse ratings before they start getting, before they start losing money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that maybe people would get tired of them before they they start to flop. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it'll, it'll lower, it'll be more gradual than that. Mm. But I don't know, bro. They got uh, Christian Bale <laughs> coming up in Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> That one I'm excited know, for, Zach. too. They, I'm excited. Right when I think I'm out, Zach, they pull, they me, pull right me back, back in. in. Yeah. <laughs> Julieta asks, if you guys could pick a new, younger Professor X for the MCU, who would it be? Ooh. Uh, that's a tough question. I, like, What's I that guy also from Split? Don't... What? Not... <laughs> I think James McAvoy would be really something. That I, f- like, I feel like he'd be really good at it. They just have to like shave his head. Yeah, and, and see if he's down to do that. <laughs> I don't know, man. This is like a weird. I, I don't know if he, even I have a good idea here. Who's like mm-hmm. a very like who looks good proper right? and composed. I mean, that's the other thing. Like when who's going to go? <laughs> Jacob Elordi. Um, no, can you imagine? <laughs> Dolly'd be in the chair. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, TMNT addict asks: Is this as good as the gold standard of Infinity War, or leaning towards? End game. Um, I did mention at the top that this is like top five, maybe top 10 MCU for me. And at least for my list, which I will preface by saying is very different from most MCU lists I see out there. Like I am really into directorial voice. The movies that have resonated with me are the films like Black Panther, Ragnarok, and this one where you can really feel the director's hand on the steering wheel. And so for me, those more idiosyncratic ones are the ones that I lean towards. Like, I do think Endgame and Infinity War are kind of the gold standard in terms of these, like, bigger event movies, these bigger crossover things. And I don't know if, even though I uh, really appreciate Multiverse of Madness, it does get to that level of, like, entertainment of those two films. But... There's just stuff here that I was genuinely excited by in a way that I'm not ge- usually genuinely excited by in a Marvel movie. 
I would further that by saying that no, it is in my top half, Multiverse of Madness, but it doesn't compete with even the other movies that would be considered standalone movies. I feel that in Black Panther, you have a full story that gets scoped out. Here, you're getting the third act of Wanda's story and barely anything of Doctor Strange, right? Like, it feels like a footholder to something else. I had called it an appetizer, that these movies continue to feel like appetizers. And someone got really mad at me and said, don't you know, it's part of this new trilogy on grief, coping, and whatever else. And it's the first of three. And I had to take everything apart and be like, yes, the first of three would be, Zach, the appetizer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting for the entree. Yeah. Uh, I like it, but, uh, but I, I don't think it's as complete as these other films feel. Because one uh, like Infinity and Endgame, that feels like one half to the other. This feels like right. the, the stepping stone to something else that doesn't even feel like it's going to be for Doctor Strange. Yeah. This feels like what you need to watch to catapult you. And this is like the admission ticket to what we're about to enter. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's good for that. It's setting the table, you know, and, and th- I f- that's the thing that maybe is a little bit weird about Marvel right now is it feels like there's a lot of table setting going on between their Disney Plus shows and their different new movies. Mm-hmm. But I mean, sooner or later, there's going to be some food on that table, I guess. It's all I want. It's all I need. It's, it's uh, all I can ask. full screen for that. It, it's all full I can screen ask. for that. It's all I can ask for, man. They do this, bro. I'm going to cry. They do this, and I'm going to go crazy. This is all I need. That's it. This is what I've been waiting for for the longest time. Man. Yeah. So I think those most those are most of our thoughts on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I, I, I did uh, have like a little bit on the comparisons happening between it and Talk everything everywhere it. all at once, but I don't know if, Talk if about that's it. like... I mean, look, it's, you know, there's this tweet that obviously a lot of people were dunking on over the weekend from ERC box office talking about how Dr. Strange grossed more in one evening than everything everywhere all at once did over its six course run, at least here in the U.S. And like, yes, the way that he phrased the tweet and his responses to it are, are really obnoxious and come from a point of view that's like, this is all a competition and you're losing that I think is like a kind of gross way to look at at these movies but i do think it's like important to kind of it's an interesting contrast to bring because of the way that disney dominates multiplex screens right that the way that they demand a certain number of screens running at a certain number of times that theaters stay open longer than their normal hours and have movie theater staff constantly turning these things around. The way that Disney has a grip on the theatrical business, I think is, is clearer here than it's, than it usually is because everything everywhere all at once, it's, it's been like the big theatrical success everybody's talked about. And, despite being this genuine hit, this word of mouth wonder that people are going and telling their friends to go to see, like that just, even all that effort still doesn't compare to what the corporate behemoth can do. Yeah, you said that the Little Leaguer pitched this much, but in the MLB, they pitched, well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're like past college, you're you're in the pros, you're on probably substances. To me, if you diss an artist, Zach, you tweeted an artist and you end up on that artist's song. <laughs> who won? It don't right. matter how good that this is. 
You did. If everything, mm-hmm. everywhere, all at once can't leave somebody's mind when they're doing box office numbers, who won? You can compare it to any other everything movie out there, but you right. want to compare it to the one who's made a splash. Simple as that. Yeah. But I, it does go to show just like, you know, there there is really like, <laughs> even if it's like a smaller uh, box office number, that doesn't necessarily mean it's having a different sized impact because I think there's been very, like, there's been a lot of discussion around everything everywhere at, all at once. And I don't know if, even though there's a lot of people seeing Multiverse of Madness, they might not be discussing it quite quite as passionately as people are discussing everything everywhere all at once, which goes to show that, like, there still are these movies that can break through despite not having the, the advertising power of a Disney. And, and that's a great for thing. me, I mean... Uh, yeah, it's a great thing. You know, there's obviously huge differences in what these movies are aimed for. Um, one is aimed at a more general audience. One is aimed at a more niche audience looking for something that's more art house. But like, it's also interesting to see like they both approach the multiverse concept in such different ways where Daniels are going all out in terms of like eccentricity and vulgarity and hot dog fingers and and also and rock universes and what you get in multiverse of madness is like the go is green or to go is red and stop is green in this universe it's it's different it's interesting how they approach their creativity is all i'm trying to say i guess and I'm glad that they're both out there. I think the best thing we got to ask for is that when you have all these Marvel movies that are coming out and the worry of them taking over theaters, to see something like what the Daniels mm-hmm. has done, to continue to be up there and have the legs that I don't know if MOM's going to have, considering we have yeah. a lot of big movies that are on the horizon as well. Um, dude, Everything Everywhere All at Once came out, what, a month or so ago? And just last week, right before Thursday, when they started screening was- Multiverse, they were replaying it in IMAX. Mm-hmm. Because people are just really hungry for it. That's cool. So if yeah. you're a big Marvel fan and you have not heard of the Daniels movie, I would say go check it out. I think if you're in the multiverse hive, you know, it's kinda like when people were into zombies and vampires and all that stuff. They would like consume anything that had to do with that. Uh right now we're in that multiverse craze and I'd say you have one of the biggest movies covering it out there, uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but you also have some really good movies, uh, such as Everything Everywhere All at Once that I think may not be making the box office numbers, but I'm pretty yeah. sure it'll have more awards and gold <laughs> by the end of the year. So give them both a watch. Although, yeah, a really interesting thing that happened and maybe a bit poetic, after six weeks uh, and the movie theaters climbing its way, on the day before Doctor Strange was released, Everything Everywhere All at Once was the number one movie at the box office for one day, May 4th. That's fire. It got there. The fourth it was got lit, there. Though. Look at that. That's sick. Yeah. That's cool. I like All that. right. Yeah. Okay, but that, I think, about does it for our thoughts on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and this edition of After Credits. You can catch more from me, Zach Chevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd, at Zshevich, Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H, Art. Where can people find more from you? Those numbers are crazy, bro. I'm just looking at the everything everywhere all at once being 41 days out there. That's crazy. Uh, crazy. You can find me over at LME Explain on Twitter, on YouTube on Letterbox, looking for another IMAX screen to probably catch everything everywhere all at once or that <laughs> Top Gun uh, teaser again. Ooh, but you know, you can ooh. always catch me here 
on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher. I like Overcast, personally speaking. And then make sure you subscribe not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well. YouTube.com slash IntercutPod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of our Intercut Weekly Must Watch streaming on our YouTube channel Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern. We're also going to try and be doing these after credits on a weekly basis, so uh, stay tuned and keep watching movies so you can be Any up recommendations? and ready for the spoilers. Yeah, recommend movies that are coming out in the future that you want us to do an after credits on. Uh, we will be checking comments. Please leave a comment, like the video. Consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much requested five-star review and shout out to all of you who do. Shout out to all of you in Ecuador who put us on the, t- on the TV and film podcast charts out there like our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter, our Patreon. All of them are at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from me, from Art, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in and until next time, whatever multiverse you're in, you're going to get mustard to the face. Yikes. <laughs>